Ms. Ostapenko has no challenges remaining. Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. Delighted to be joined on this episode for day 10 of the 2023 US Open by the voice of the US Open, Blair Henley. Thank you for being the voice of NCR for this episode. Oh my gosh, I I feel so honored. I am, yes, I'm lucky that Andy Taylor, who, had, who has been the voice for 22 years, uh, let me let me come sit in his spot for about eight, eight sessions of this U.S. Open. So uh, I, it's been an interesting change of pace. I've learned a lot, but it's been good. Can we talk about? Can we just start there? Actually, I know we're going to talk about other sure. general tournament stuff in your experience. But yeah, I, I was so I had I hadn't known actually because I've been in, in my little book tunnel vision. I hadn't known you were doing this, and then I was watching. Uh, I guess the ceremony it was that Michelle Obama came out at after the mm-hmm. Coco Golf match, right on opening night. And I heard this voice in over the last few years of Ash, and it was it was you, and I was so excited. How, how did yes. how did this come to be, and how and what is it like, and what is this what does this role entail? Tell us all about your rise to be the voice of of God within the stadium. Well, I I will say I did not send out a personal press release, Ben. So don't worry that you were not aware that that this was a thing that was happening. Um, but. I think this year in particular, because it was the 50th anniversary of equal prize money, uh, they were interested in getting a, a, a different voice, different perspective. It's funny, we talk about hearing from different voices all the time. This is a very literal interpretation of that, to have mm-hmm. a slightly different voice in, in the booth this year. And it was funny because my bosses a- approached me, um, explained what was going to be happening. And of course, I was I was very honored. And they said, you know, we kind of thought we were going to ease you into this, but your first day is going to be opening night, uh, and there are going to be multiple VVVIPs. <laughs> so best of luck. No, they they prepared me well. I felt as comfortable as I could have felt, but it was definitely a high pressure introduction to to the role. Because you've put on so many different hats and different versions and different assignments of things that you do in tennis, it all fe- can look cohesive from a distance in terms of people knowing who you are but obviously you have you have to use a lot of different tools in your arsenal like a tennis player i guess in a lot of ways you're the sort of the becoming the i don't know the chase way of, of variety in terms of what you can do on court with more predictable and more reliable in some ways than, than, than what sue delivers not quite as not quite as seat of your pants in a good way uh i'm curious for you what what this what this sort of particular role of being a stadium announcer and in a venue this big and cavernous and sort of prestigious and and electric and all these sorts of things what you sort of were told about that job and what you tried to bring to that this role because it has mm-hmm. to be a little it's different than being an encore interviewer or doing all the other sort of stuff you've done a lot more of yeah well first of all uh as jenny brady once said being mentioned in the same sentence as, as shay sue is quite a compliment i just interviewed her actually after uh she and Wang Shiyu took out Pagula and Goff in a yeah. roller coaster match. Uh, again, this is an aside, but I asked her, she hit several absolutely incredible lobs. And I said, can you tell us the secret? And you can't hear much in the stadium, even though you're only feet away, but she was motioning. Sometimes you do this and sometimes you do this and sometimes you do this. And the key is, and this part I heard, the key is that they have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> 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 shout out shout out to uh Su Wei doing what she does and she's possibly, been incredible this year my god possibly winning her third straight doubles major still it's still possible so getting to number one in stuff. like four months on tour unbelievable stuff so thank you for that comparison i will take that any day but yes this is definitely a different skill set 
on the court, obviously I, I strive to be as, as clean and as sharp as I possibly can be. But when people can see your face, there is room for maybe a little more humanity. And, mm -hmm. and by that, I mean, mistakes, not something that you don't say perfectly an um, or an, uh, occasionally mixed in. Obviously when you are in that voice of God situation, there is no room for error. And what I have found, kind of my biggest learning experience, having done this now for, you know, I'm a, a salty veteran of 10 days, I <laughs> I have found that it's, so the broadcast is hearing when I say, from the United States, please welcome Coco Golf. So that walkout from the player hallway onto the court, that voice is going straight to broadcast. And so it's a really interesting combination trying to find something that works for the biggest tennis stadium in the world and something that also doesn't sound like I'm trying to be a WWE announcer for the people watching on their TV at home. And so it's, it's sort of been an interesting, I've, I feel like I've tried to make adjustments as I've gone because I'm so used to just playing to the crowd that I can see. But in this particular role on with the walk-ons, people at home are actually hearing what comes mm. out of my mouth in real time. And so it's it's been interesting to sort of try to find the right balance of making it big, but also not blowing out people in their living rooms. Uh, <laughs> if, they're, if they're in the kitchen getting a snack, it's not like, ah, what's what's happening in there? So uh, yeah, trying to find the balance. Uh, again, it's, it, it's not something I ever thought about. And it's really not something I thought about until I saw that I think Mount Sinai is sponsoring the actual walkouts. So they're clipping mm. them and putting them on social media. And when you hear it in a medium like that, it's so different from what you hear, what you feel in the stadium. So something I had never thought of before actually doing this. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. You really have to find a sweet spot there between, you know, being that sort of crowd hype person, you know, saying, you know, at the, I don't know, demolition derby kind of shouting versus you know right. calm calm tv intoning for that kind of yeah it's interesting that's all cross posted and everything has to go there you mentioned uh the occasion of the 50th anniversary of equal pay which obviously is the foreground uh message of this tournament they project that you know logo onto the court it's on the, all the backdrops billy jean king that sort of iconic posters everywhere when you're at the u.s open I and mean, it's really like no other sort of campaign they've done before in terms of its visibility and its ubiquity around the grounds. I've never seen anything like it at the US Open. I'm curious for you, the role of obviously being picked as a, as a woman in this voice, this is a, you know, stadium announcer is a very traditionally male job that people sort of don't even think about, you know, across across venues and, you know, different sort of maleness about it. And I'm, I'm wondering for you what it means to you to be a woman in this in this role in this space. It's a fairly uh, ground barrier breaking person. There have been a few, I know there's a couple like baseball stadiums now that have women in this role or have been in the past at least. And But what does it mean to you? And, and is there anything different about the sort of job you required not having that sort of low, like, let's get ready to rumble kind of voice uh, that you that you are conscious of when you're speaking uh, into over, over, over speakers like this? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that because I don't, you know, women have been doing, thankfully, there's been so much progress and, and women are doing a lot of things in sports. And of course, there's always more progress that can be made. But but yes, in that voice of God role, it has very traditionally been thought of as a, a man's job. Yeah. That's that's sort of what we think of. I, I'm very aware that as the first to do something you don't want to screw it up. Um, you want it to at least, you want people to say, okay, this is a, people might have different 
opinions. Some people might like that that deeper voice. And and I will say Andy Taylor, who again is is somebody I've learned so much from, he is not sort of that wrestler tone. He right. is he has a, a really strong voice, but it's it's understated in a really cool way. And so I, I've learned from him and in, in not trying to overdo it, not trying to be something that I'm not. My voice is never going to be that. I know people are going to have different opinions. Some may like it. I have found that sometimes a woman's voice is easier to hear in the speakers yeah. of large stadiums. Um, and so who knows, maybe there's there's value in that. It just depends on what people want. That you know, everybody has a different opinion about what it should sound like and and their preference about what they want for the future. But I just wanted to do it justice being the first one. And I think it will be cool if if there's that variety going forward. I don't know if it will be me or not, but but I wanted to do it justice knowing that it's not something that happens that often. Definitely. No, I think I think you've done great. You've you sounded great at the times I was in the stadium or listening to you over the over various audio of, of screens you sounded wonderful and you're right actually there is some some i think some thought scholarship behind that about women's voices sometimes i know i remember hearing from my actually my grandparents like a long time ago about when they made a shift to do having female voices announcing things in like train stations over loudspeakers like when times trains mm. were coming and something and they did studies that women's voices for whatever reason over crowds were just more easily comprehended and and that was the thing they did so yeah there's no reason why you know you're, you're not delivering the message or whatever but uh you yeah the, even the just different pitch and stuff that you're adjusting to is, is all great and speaking of just adjusting you do so many different things at this year's event like you said you're up in the booth you're down on the court you were doing a lot of stuff during fan week uh, interviewing players and stuff being on stage with uh another friend of NCR, Nick McCarville, a bunch. What? So can you describe briefly like what all the different jobs you've had in New York during this uh, three weeks have been and and what sort of what you enjoy most and what the challenges are of, of some of those? I don't know if it's everything because I know there's so much, but at least a sampler platter of what you're doing. Yeah, it's it's not boring. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you that. Uh, I, I definitely have kept myself busy and thanks to the various people who have have kept me gainfully employed here but yes fan week we did you know they do a lot of those featured practices where you know they have music going and it's funny the players I feel like are are just now sort of getting used to that uh, last year when we hadn't had fan week for a few years they came out and they were like why why is there music why are you here why is there a microphone in your hand <laughs> this year there was a little bit of, of recollection like oh yeah this is a thing that happens at the u.s open so did some of that we had that really incredible stars at the open event to support global giving's ukraine relief fund Jimmy Butler has been the breakout star of the U.S. Yes, Open. He, I mean, he made the entire night. Dude with sign was, I don't know if you saw that today. Whole, his sign was, where's Jimmy? Because he, no joke, it's like he has <laughs> been sleeping on a cot in one of the suites. He's been so, such a consistent figure uh, during this U.S. Open. So got to do those special events. Uh, they did the fan-facing media day again this year, which has been aided by the fact that this year and last year, it was raining on that day. And so <laughs> the ash roof provided a bit of a respite. So we had amazing crowds. But it's a I love I really like the concept of that. And I do think the US Open does a good job of saying, let's let's try it. So being able to go out, you know, Nick and I did that together. And one of us went out into the stands and found a fan with a question. It just it was it provides some cool organic moments that's not in sort of that there's a camera a foot in front of your face 
atmosphere. It's not, it's not an oppressor. The players are maybe a little bit more relaxed. It's lower stakes. Nobody's recording it. Uh, it's been a, a huge success the last couple of years. So credit to Jean Marie Daly here uh, at the U.S. Open who mm-hmm. heads that up. Then once the tournament starts, I am doing work for the broadcast features team. So whether that means flash interviews after the matches, if I'm not on court, um, doing some uh, human interest features on the players, trying to get those little sound bites. Again, you haven't lived until you've tried to fit a whole storyline into a 90 second, you know, set set break changeover. It's it is so yeah. challenging. But again, that's I feel like that's our job here to explain to people why they should care about X Y Z player and. In the post-Roger, Rafa, getting there, Novak, Serena era, people have to know who they're cheering for and and why they should care. So I love doing that. It's definitely a challenge to to try to squeeze it into that period of time. And then, of course, I do the stuff in the booth, the voiceover work, and the on-court interviews as well. So... (laughs) So many, many things. Uh, I I have to say, though, the thing that I still love the most and probably will, uh, you know, until the end of my career, whenever that is, I love the on-court interviews. Mm. There, There's nothing better than I, I think it's such a privilege and something that not a lot of people in media get to experience on such a consistent basis. But to talk to someone after a really good moment <laughs> is pretty great. It's it's yeah. the ideal it's the ideal time frame. They're still riding, riding the high. Um, I've only had two players ever refuse because they don't have to do that on court interview. And I've only had two players ever hmm. refuse. Do you have any guesses? Any guesses on who who the two oh, were? Oh boy, they're both both men. One Spaniard, one Italian. Oh, one Fanini. I'm gonna guess Fanini. <laughs> you <Yes>. got it, <laughs> Fanini. After he Spaniard. won a, a, it was yeah. a three setter in Indian Wells. Yep, and Spaniard, kind of huh. the same era as Fanini. Lopez? Very close. His shirtless companion on the beach. Uh, Shirtless companion on the beach. Oh, Verdasco, for sure. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. Who, ironically, has become one of the most talkative players in his career twilight years. I have Mm. talked to him multiple times earlier this season. And, I mean, there was one point where it held up the practice that was supposed to be going on. And and Francis... Francis Diapa was the one practicing. He's like, I felt like I was at the Oscars. Like, <laughs> we, we, need, we needed to play the music. Uh, so anyway, I, irony that uh, Fernando is lovely and has has turned into one of the most verbose interviews I've ever had in his latter years. So yes, they don't yeah. have to do that. Uh, but in general, that is a peak moment for them. And to try to think of creative ways to get the most out of them in three or four questions, I find to be a really fun challenge. And the reward of when you get a moment that happens on court, whether or not it's because of me, sometimes it's just because I happen to be the one standing there with the microphone, but the payoff is really cool because you're like, wow, people now know why I think this person is great. I, I thought you did such a great job of that a couple of days ago with Zhang Chinwen 
uh, and talking about the Queen Wind stuff and Queen and her nickname and stuff. And, and she's, again, somebody who people, a lot of fans would not know very well, would not have heard speak very much at this point in her early career. And she leaned first. into it, which was And she was great, so and great. she was game for it. Yeah, and, and yes. what you said also is is true. I think Courtney said this that before, that one of the great things about a, a Grand Slam is that, like, it's always, like, somebody's always having, like, the best day of their life. Like, some player is always having, like, the breakthrough result and having that moment. You you find, you find can figure out who that person is, and especially first week when, you know, people are getting their first main draw wins and breakthroughs and something. There's always a high to find there. And, yeah, you get to be there in that moment before they talk to anyone else, before they get the sort of first feelings of that. And that's that's very cool. We can get some of that in, in press sometimes, too. But but you get yep. even more, even fresher out of the out of the emotional oven in a lot of ways. Yes, yes. And sometimes that works against us. Sometimes that works against sure. us because they're, they're so scrambled. It, you know, if it's an emotional win, or if it's a four hour win, they're, they're not totally thinking clearly at that point. So it can go either way. But for the most part, that I think will be will forever be my favorite thing. And I feel very privileged to be able to do that. A couple other questions I have, because you do so many different tournaments across the year, and how much do you try to match your your voice and your vibe and your tone, whatever it may be, to the individual tournament you're at? Because I'm guessing somewhere like Newport, where you've worked for a bunch of years at the, the Hall of Fame tournament there, the ATP 250 there, requires a different sort of aesthetic than being in New York. Like, so how do you how do you try to find your own tone to match whether it's you know even just what you're wearing or what how you talk like to match uh these these spirits of each venues which each do kind of have their own uh flavor sure yeah i found that with the smaller stadiums you can be a little bit more conversational Mm -hmm. i can hear myself better there's not reverb there's there's no delay i one of the things i've learned from on court hosting which is so different than studio work which is what i had done sort of before i was put on court 17 at the U.S. Open in 2015 and was said, here you go. You know, yeah. I, and it was the best training I ever could have asked for. I was also the DJ, which I I will never forget, <laughs> Fergus Murphy, who is who is lovely. And we I would I would consider him a tennis friend now. But I will never forget at the time. I didn't even know to wait to turn on the music until the umpire had called the score. And I will never forget Fergus turning around from his umpire chair. And I, I sat in the corner of court 17 with, with my little iPod and staring over there. And he turned around and said, wait till I call the score. So again, I had a lot of learning to do when I first, you know, was sort of dropped into this job in 2015, just because live hosting is so different. Like you can think yeah. if you say, you know, good morning, tennis fans, welcome to day, whatever at the 2023 U S open, you think there's going to be cheers. But I will tell you, there aren't always cheers. And so I have sort of learned if I'm not positive that it's going to get a reaction, I just keep going because there's nothing worse than pausing, thinking you're going to get a reaction. And then the reaction doesn't come. And you're like, okay, and here's who we have. (laughs) Great lineup today. So little things that I've sort of learned as I've gone on, just because live hosting is such a different animal than any sort of studio work or on camera work. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the smaller events just have that more conversational feel. I would also say that, you know, I do, do three 250s uh, as of right now, Dallas, Houston, and Newport. I love them. Uh, will always, 250s will always have a special place in my heart because the players are so relaxed uh, in general. Yeah. Just There's just sort of less pressure. And then also the connection with, 
the the fans. I would say that that MC role is more important at the smaller tournaments because people mm. can't avoid you. <laughs> it's not like they can they can go from Armstrong to Grandstand to 17. The action is happening on that one stadium court and you really sort of become the the voice, the presence of the event, whether you want to or not. And so finding that that line where it's, again, conversational, fun, interactive is, I think, more important the smaller the tournament is. Um, there's there's maybe even more pressure to, to be pleasant. Yeah. Less people say, oh, gosh, because I, I feel like we've all been I don't know if, if you feel this way, but I've certainly been in venues where I've been like, oh, my gosh, like, I can yeah. we turn it off? And I never want to be that. <laughs> That's yeah, always so, the goal. Sometimes it's just too, too much. It's too yeah. loud. The tone is not it's discordant with whatever the atmosphere should be. And yeah, learning to read, read the situation right. You're saying not not holding for applause and having like a jeb bush please clap kind of moment you know when something goes <laughs> yes. dead is key so so that's definitely i definitely understand that uh one other last person i want to talk about and uh, thank you so much for your time i know you're super busy up there i saw she visited you in the booth recently was uh barbara kachikova who i know you've gotten friendly with i know obviously being a grand slam champion and i think future hall of famer for me certainly my ballot uh, herself for everything she's done on court but she's also just such a huge lover fan of the game. She was famously sitting front row at Fort Worth, another Texas tournament you did last year when the WTA finals were there. What has it, what has it been like getting to know her? And I saw you Instagram posted your her booth visit mm-hmm. recently. It has been such a bright spot, completely unexpected. And, and the origin of it was in Fort Worth when I loved the fact that she was not only watching tennis, we knew that she liked to watch tennis, but she literally was right behind the court. And I, as you know, Ben, took pictures and just sort of started a thread. And after like picture number four and people were like into it, you know, waiting for the next update, I was like, I probably should mention to her that I am posting (laughs) pictures of her on on the internet. And so I saw her in the tunnel uh, in Fort Worth and I just struck up a conversation and I showed her the thread and then by you know picture number five, she was posing. Uh, <laughs> she would she would wait till I got out my till I got out my camera and then actually pose for said pictures behind the court. Uh, but she is just a total gem of a human, and I feel lucky to get to know her as a friend and as you said, lover of tennis. But was also you know she's she's hanging out for a few days here in New York to train, and she was very interested she asked in Cincinnati what I would be doing here. And I explained that I was doing part of my role would be different than it had been previously. And she said, well, can I see? And she's just a very curious human. And so I said, absolutely. I would, I would love to have company because that is the one thing about that job is there's a lot of sitting and waiting if you're not doing the post-match interview. So I said, you know, I asked my, my producer for permission and he's like, sure, she wants to come up. So she came up and, and hung out with us for the whole night session, went, went down to the, the promenade, got herself some chicken fingers and fries and, and just hung out and, and watched tennis in the booth. So I feel very lucky to have gotten to know her as a friend. And again, it's sort of in the bigger picture. There are a lot of really cool humans on, on yeah. tour that we don't always get to see in that way. Um, so I, I'm lucky. I I, feel, I would consider her a friend at this point. And I think 
she would probably say the same. And I love that she loves tennis because we we need people who care that much about tennis. It's pretty great. Exactly. No, we know everyone has often has a tortured relationship with tennis. I'm sure she does in her own ways too. But Seal is someone who just has the passion for it. It can be refreshing and reaffirming. And, and it is rare for people who don't know this. It's often really rare for players to take any interest in our lives and what we do. It can be very one way. We're always asking about them and always asking, you know, it's just our jobs, you know, to tell their yep. stories and stuff. But for them to sort of show any reciprocation of that can be very fleeting so for her to go yeah spend a night session with you in the booth is uh is pretty special uh so shout out to to, to babs for that yes and to have her there watching the ostapenko Sviantek match was even better mm. because as you know she is an incredible ten mind and it, it's just very interesting to uh, to hear her thoughts and obviously as somebody who's who's played Ostapenko and she's played her best it's it's interesting to to hear from a player's perspective not not in a booth as a commentator sort of that unfiltered piece is is interesting you mentioned Ostapenko Svantec last question any matches on court or players on court or sort of tournament result kind of player match stories that stand out to you as we were recording this uh, before the night session on Wednesday so before the Vondrosheva Keys final quarterfinal and the other men's quarterfinal Alcaraz uh, starts later w any anything that stands out to you so far in terms of just tennis you've gotten to watch to the extent you get to watch any I yeah <laughs> that's that's a good caveat Ben because as you as you know people are like <laughs> what a fun job you get to watch tennis well not always that's not always the case but no I've loved uh I've loved watching Maddie Keys she seeing her somebody somebody described it as the eclipse like when she is when she is on it is I mean it is lights out and it's so much fun to watch and I will shout out to her also because she is one of the best post-match interviews she hits every point she always throws in a joke her answers are the perfect length she is she's really fantastic in that setting so I'm it was nice to do one of those ash interviews with her last week uh let's see Arena, I, I think seeing her at, we did that Breakpoint reunion in Cincinnati and having watched her story and sort of what was going on behind the scenes in 2022 and knowing that she and her dad talked about winning a couple slams by the time she was 25. And though she, she is 25 now, but gosh, what a story that would be if she was able to win here, have the number one ranking and, and what a happy ending after yeah. seeing what she was going through last season. I did an on-court with her and, <laughs> and mentioned there was some stat that she has hit more winners at the four slams this year than any other player, which is perhaps not surprising. But I read that stat out to her and her reaction was to throw up her biceps to, to flex <laughs> for the camera. She just is. <laughs> She's such a ham. Yeah. Such a ham. There's she likes the New York crazy. Uh, she would probably say she's maybe a little bit crazy herself, and and she owns it. And I and yeah. I love that. So it's been really fun, really fun to watch. Very cool. It's been very fun to watch. Very fun to listen to you and to hear you, Blair, uh, on the show and around the stadiums, on TV, everywhere else. And congratulations on everything you're doing. It's very very cool. And uh, wishing you all the best going forward in this rest of this tournament and beyond. Thanks, Ben. And congratulations to you. So excited about the book. I do. I could not. I can't even wrap my head around what it would actually take to sit down and write a book. So huge congrats. Can't wait for the release. Thank you very much, Flair. Appreciate it. Bye, folks.